Well, once again, dear church family and friends, this Lord's Day service, this Lord's Day, our our thoughts and hopefully our hearts are going to be set on verse 1 of Psalm 90 and verse 9 of Psalm 91, which really speaks of the Lord God being a dwelling place, the Lord God being a dwelling place and a habitation for his people. Is the Lord God your dwelling place and your habitation, your home, where you may continually resort to? Well, that's our theme, really, this Lord's Day morning. Like I mentioned, most commentators agree that it was Moses, the man of God, who penned these two psalms, Psalm 90 and Psalm 91, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We cannot be dogmatic about it, of course, but most agree that it was Moses who penned. So that's the historical context, as it were. The expressions and pointed illustrations are very telling of Moses and the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. It really looks at Israel's condition in in the wilderness, doesn't it? Now, with that said, our theme this Lord's Day is the need for the Lord God to be our dwelling place and our habitation where we may find that sweet heavenly habitation, that spiritual habitation. Our text says in Psalm 90 verse 1, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. In all generations. That's quite a statement, isn't it? That's quite a statement. Considering the historical context which which it is written in, of Israel living in a howling wilderness for over 40 years, and how Joseph was sold into Egypt, wasn't he? Into Potiphar's house, and of course then thrown into prison. And then of course how Jacob Jacob, uh, fled his home in danger of his life, didn't he? And of course... Who could not mention Isaac and Abraham's battles and, and their pilgrimage? And need I say more? And so how, how has God been a dwelling place? How has God been a dwelling place and a habitation, a home for his people? And is not a dwelling place and a habitation a house? Is it not a, a home or a chief place of residence or abode? Of course, in the case of Israel, in the, in the Hebrew, a dwelling place is referring to a type of tent. And all these things are right, isn't it? Furthermore, isn't it a, 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 a dwelling place, a home? Isn't it a place of security? Isn't it a place of usefulness and, and convenience? And a place of, of somewhat rest and peace? Well, yes. A habitation, a dwelling place is all these things, isn't it? Well, then how can Moses, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit here, say that God has been a dwelling place and a habitation for his people when they've been found in in prison, when they've been found in a pit, when, like Jacob, they've had a stone and a rock for a pillow and have been compassed about by many violent and filthy men like Lot and have been in bondage in Egypt. Well, how can Moses say these things? Well, of course, it's obvious, isn't it, dear friends, that Moses is speaking more so here 
in a spiritual sense. He's speaking in a spiritual sense. He's speaking of a heavenly habitation, a heavenly dwelling place, an eternal home, an eternal uh, habitation. That's, that's the sense that we get here. Consider firstly that a habitation or a house is a security against extreme heat and extreme conditions. Something, of course, which the children of Israel knew were all too familiar with in that barren and that dry land. In a spiritual sense, dear friends, the Lord God secures and defends his people from the, the, the heat and the rage of our, the enemies to our soul, Satan. And, of course, all those interns of Satan. Though, because if you're not on the Lord's side, you're on the devil's side. And so, in a spiritual sense, the Lord God is our home, our spiritual home, our eternal home, our, our, our continual place where we resort to when the enemy of our souls and all those who are influenced by the devil fire those darts, as it were, of us. By faith, of course, all the fiery darts of the devil and all the wicked influences of this world are quenched, aren't they? they? By faith and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you're not a Christian, if you're not a true Christian, and you're not often resorting in the Lord Jesus Christ, as all God's people have done throughout the ages, you're completely open to the devil's attacks, aren't you? You're completely open. You're like a land that doesn't have any borders. You're susceptible to the Canaanites coming in often and spoiling you. Everything that you have will often be spoiled. You'll be like a house with no roof for your soul, open to the wicked elements of this world. There will be no resistance and protection against burning lusts, against pride, the pride of life, against malice and envy. Against all the fiery temptations and darts of the devil, you'll be completely open to these things. If God is not your continual, the Lord God is not your continual habitation, that place where you may find forgiveness of sins, peace with God, rest and comfort and direction in life, you're completely susceptible to the, the, to the, the attacks of the devil. And that's a real, that's a, a, a real uh, fear, isn't it? That many people nowadays don't, they don't believe that there's a devil. And they don't believe that they're, if, they're, if they're not on the Lord's side, they're under the influence and power of the devil. And therefore they're, they're, they're left completely open, as it were. But those who dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, as we read, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Consider secondly that a habitation is a place of shelter. It is a place of shelter from the tempestuous storms of life. Not just from the heat and from harsh weather, but also from the storms of life. All of us will be hit with storms of life. We're all going to have disappointments in life. We're all going to get sick. We're all going to lose loved ones. We're all going to face one day death. That's going to happen to every one of us. What happens when the storms of life hit us, friends? Well, David said, when I am afraid, I will trust in thee. David, on many occasions, did he not face death 
straight in the face, as it were, with the bear and the lion, with Goliath, and of course with Saul, didn't he? Being hunted down for years and years on end. His abode was in the deserts and in the mountains and in the the dens and in the caves, as it says in Hebrews 11. He spent all this time, but yet, dear friends, he had that continual uh, dwelling place. He was able to go to the throne of grace and know that he was protected, to know that his soul was saved, to know that whatever happened to him, God had his back, as it were. In all places, God was his strong habitation. Wherever he resorted, dear friends, he said, For thou art my rock and my fortress, Psalm 71. You see, whether there was a cave or a desert or a mountain, he had that sweet habitation and dwelling place with the Lord. Well, what about us here today, dear friends? Do you have that sweet communion with the Lord? Do you, do you go and seek the Lord's face? Or are you just seeking the things of this world? On our way here today, we saw there was a race going on. People, sports, sports on, on the Lord's Day is, is a frequent thing now. You see, the, the, lots of people's home and uh, continual uh, habitation and dwelling place is just in the things of this world. Just living for the creature and not the creator. Well, I just give myself to, to sports and to watching the telly from eating and drinking and being merry and watching telly. And, and that's where I find my rest. That's where I'm at home, really. This is, this is where I find my comfort in this life. Well, you see, dear friends, all those who put their trust in the Lord, like David, were their habitation, their home, where they continually resort was in the Lord. When Saul the Benjamite cast that javelin at David 99 times out of 100, at that, close, at that close distance, he would have hit the mark, wouldn't he? He being a Benjamite, the Benjamites were renowned for their skill, weren't they, in warfare, in the bow, in, in the javelin. 99 times out of 100, Saul would have hit his man, as it were, but because Because David was in close communion with God, because he made the Lord his strong habitation, God made made Saul miss. He missed his man, didn't he? When the Ziphites took David and his men's families, remember they took David and and, uh, all his men, they came back and they, they found that their children and their wives had been taken off. And, of course, David's men were distraught, and they were nigh unto killing David. They were so upset. And yet, what do we hear from David, the man after God's own heart? He encouraged himself in the Lord, didn't he? He went to that continual habitation, that dwelling place where he knew he would find guidance and answers to the purposes in life. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Is that what we go, where we go, dear friends? In life, because all the the men's words will fail us. The things of this world will fail us. Do we go to the Lord? Is he our habitation? Is he where we go for for comfort, for direction, for purpose in life? Well, David did, didn't he? He went to that faithful dwelling place at the throne of God's grace, where all God's people throughout all generations have found a shelter in the storms of life that we all have to go through. 
You see, friends, if God is not your soul's chief and only habitation and holy sanctuary in the storms of life, all it takes, all it takes is a sharp winter. All it takes is a, a, a cold snap, a cold season of loss to embitter us and to numb us, numb our hearts towards the things of God. And we see that in our society, don't we? We see how antagonistic our society has come. Well, if God was, why is all, all the suffering in the world? Why, if, if God is true, why did I lose this person? You see, all it takes, dear friends, is a cold snap. is is a, a, a sharp winter, as it were, because God hasn't been our shelter. God has not been our habitation. We've lived off God. He sustains our every breath. He feeds us. He gives us everything. And we've bit the hand that feeds him. And when we lose something, we blame him for, for, for it. And yet we have not made God our habitation. We've turned onto the God that's made Great Britain a great... We can no longer call ourselves a great country because we've turned from the God that has made us a great land. The Bibles are collecting dust, as it were, on the shelves. We must find our habitation, our eternal habitation, a habitation for our souls, a habitation where we might find salvation, full and free and lasting, forgiveness of sins, peace with our God. In this world, we're going to have trouble. But dear friends, if we look to the next world, to eternity, and we look to the Savior, like all the the saints of old, and all the saints nowadays who find that sweet and, and blessed place, dear friends, we can today, can we not? But if the Lord, dear friends, is your refuge, if he is your fortress and your high tower, may, where you may continually resort to, well, of course, you'll be under his wings. You'll trust in him. Your habitation will be, will be warmed and be made fervent by the Spirit of God. You'll be enlightened, will you not, and be directed by the Word of God. Not by the, the, the Hollywood ideals, by the changing fashions of this world. If we, if we put our trust in those things, they will fail us. But if we seek our God and His salvation, and that we dwell in Him, and that we have sweet communion with Him every day, praying to Him, Seeking his face, well then we'll know of his guidance and his blessing. Those whose faith is exercised in God through Christ will not be found wanting in the day of judgment, will they? They will already be often in communion with God, seeking his face, seeking his blessing, seeking his guidance, seeking his forgiveness. And this is what we need, isn't it, dear friends? Thirdly, a dwelling place or a habitation or or a home can be a place where our choicest comforts are given, aren't they? Our choicest comforts are often at our homes, where our dearest relations are often there as well, and where some of our most treasures, where our greatest treasure sits, are at home as well. And isn't this true of the Lord God to our souls? Is He the one? Is He the one that we go home to for our, our choicest comforts? Do we go to him if there's any comfort to be had in this world? Do we go to him for consolation and for comfort? He, he, he who loves us more than a brother, more than a lover, who, uh, who laid down his life for us, is God such a place of comfort, dear friends, to you and to me? 
The one who has laid down his life out of love for us, to forgive us all of our sins, who suffered on the cross of Calvary, at the agonizing death for our sins, the one whose blood cleanses us from every single sin, past, present and future. Do we not go to him for comfort for our souls and thankfulness? The one who took God's wrath and punishment which we deserve? Are we not thankful to him for that? Do we not go to him and praise him? The one who sticketh closer than a brother, whose words will never fail us. Dear friends, the words of men will fail us. Do we take comfort from his words? Seek his guidance by faith? He promises, dear friends, he will never leave us nor forsake us. He promises that if we put our trust in him and make him the Lord our habitation and our home and our continual dwelling place that he'll give us a new start in life. He'll set our feet upon a rock, a sure foundation. Friends, he'll fix that broken heart. He'll put a new song in our mouth. That wounded conscience, dear friends, he will, he will heal all our diseases our spiritual diseases, dear friends. He will make us whole again, dear friends, in his salvation. He will do all these things. We must seek the comfort from the Lord God. All God's people in all ages have put their comfort in the Lord. That's the only place where we can have true comfort for our never-dying souls. Why would we look to any other? Why would we look to, to any sweet frame upon this world? rather than the Lord. There is a danger, isn't it, in our affluent West that we have so much, don't we? We have all the food and all the exercise and nice houses and we have all these things. But sad to say, dear friends, that many of us have made them our habitation. We're finding, we're, we're making these things our comforts when, like as in Joseph, in a day, all those things could be taken away from us. Those things can make wings and fly away. Even loved ones, wife, husband, children, family, good, wonderful blessings to us. Don't get me wrong. But we should never make those our chief comforts and joys, dear friends. We must not love the creature more than the creator. We must give the Lord the praise to his name and love him and put him first more than anything. The one who saves us, dear friends, saves our souls, saves our souls from hell. And gives us eternal life. And gives us free grace. And, and, and promises who will always be there. To supply us with that grace throughout our life. Such comfort dear friends. Is in the habitation of all those. Who put their trust in the Lord. It's, it's, and I hope and pray. And I trust that all gathered here today. Will or will come to know of this. And no wonder why the psalmist can say, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. There's none upon earth that I desire upon thee. You're the place that I go to for my continual habitation. I don't want to go playing sports on the Lord's day. I don't come home and just sit and veg in the telly. No, I'm not saying that these things are intrinsically evil. But if we're putting these things before God, if we're not praying and seeking his guidance and his blessing and his comforts, well, these things become our worst enemies, friends. They really do. Are these, is that the, the means of grace, can, 
Is the means of grace, dear friends, praying to the Lord, seeking his face, reading our Bibles, going to corporate worship with the Lord's people, living for the Lord every day, confessing our sin, confessing our need of him. Are these, is this where we go for our habitation? To the Lord, not to the things of this world. Fourthly, a habitation is a place of rest and relative peace, isn't it? When we're hard days work, sometimes it's, I'm exhausted and I get home, and no doubt a lot of people here too, you get home and you're tired, and you can just get home and you can be amongst loved ones and have a little snack from the fridge, as it were, or something like that, and, and pick up a loved one and all these things, and you have that element of rest and relaxation. Well, do you have a rest dear friends, and peace for your soul, for your eternal soul. Many people forget that, don't they? God is a rest, isn't he? A spiritual rest and habitation for our never-dying souls, for the weary and heavy-laden sinner. You see, dear friends, the things of this world will always fail us. We're weary of the things of this world, the influences of this world, the Hollywood ideals. They say, well, live, drink, Be merry for tomorrow we die. Just live for the things of this world. Put your trust in yourself. Live for number one. But that's a a heavy burden, isn't it? Heavy burden laden with sin. Oh, dear friends, if this is you today, I, I, I compel you, I invite you. The Lord Jesus invites you. He invites those who are weary and heavy laden, compassed about with with guilt of sin. Like, like, like me, I, I neglected the Lord for many years. I bit the hand that feed them. I just live for the weekend like many people do today. Just give myself for the things of this world and neglect of my never dying soul and neglect of the Savior and his salvation. Dear friends, is this true of us? Will we find rest for our souls? Will such are invited, dear friends, to Christ's rest and peace this day? They will find in him a rest for their souls. They will find in him a free gift of salvation, forgiveness of sins. Upon true repentance and faith, they will find in him peace with God and eternal home in heaven. This life is but a a vapor, isn't it? It's it's but uh, uh, we're in the, the corridor, as it were. It's just going to be over very, very shortly. And then we'll be ushered in before the Lord. Christ said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. The peace that the world gives, dear friends, is a, is a fleeting peace. It's a false peace. It's a peace that, that can never give peace to our never-dying souls, can it? You, you know, this is the NHS, you know, the NHS will be your saviour. It will save you. Everyone going out and clapping the NHS, that's not going to save you. Our government's not going to save you. Everyone said, well, well, cry to the government, cry to these things, cry. But they cannot save us, can they? Only the Lord Jesus Christ, dear friends, is the only saviour of sinners. Because he is the only one that's loved us to death, even the death of the cross. He is the one that lived the perfect life that we can never live, a perfect holy life. He gave up the glorious courts and mansions of heaven to live in this sin-sick world, to suffer and die in our stead, to purchase our salvation. And dear friends, he has conquered all our worst enemies for us. 
He is now risen. We, we worship a living Savior this day. And he is able to give you that habitation, that dwelling place, that sweet place of comfort. If you would but put your trust in him. Turn from the, the empty, broken systems of this world. Friends, they will fail you. They will always fail you. They will, they will make wings and fly away. The, 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 the eye is never satisfied with seeing. And the ear is never filled with hearing. We can never be satisfied, can we? And we see that all around us. We, we're covetous. We, 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 we just want things with a life. When we get something, we want something else. When I, when, I, when I have a pretty wife or a handsome boyfriend or a husband, then, then I covet something else. If I get a nice car, I want a better car. That's us by nature. And they can never satisfy us because we're made for eternity. We're made for God. We're made for an eternal purpose. And every day we live for the creature, not the, the creator. We're most miserable. There's that emptiness and that void within us that the creature cannot fill. We must turn from these vanities and vexational spirits. And we must turn to the living God. Make him your stronghold. Make him your strong habitation. Seek his faith. Seek his salvation. And he will save your soul, dear friends. The worldling's peace, dear friends, and rest is but fleeting. Because each and every one of us know there's a day of reckoning. And unbelievers will say, well, I don't believe in that. But deep down, there is a fear there. Because the Bible says they hold the truth in unrighteousness, which basically means they know there's an eternity, they know that there's a God, but they suppress it. I did that before I was converted, suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. I could see that there's an almighty or powerful God. How ridiculous is it to say that there's not a great designer and mind behind all the hope? I've got a conscience. Uh, where does love come from? Where do all these things come from? I can be 70, 80, 90, 100 years old and I can feel like 20. But the outward frame, where does that come from? I'm made for eternity. And dare I give myself to the temporary. You see, I'm suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. I'm pushing it down. And really the Bible says we do that because we love our sin. We're wedded to our sin. You see, the devil deceives us. Don't get serious about God. There's still time. Leave it till you're older. Leave it till you're, leave it till the last minute. But friends, the heart gets harder. The busy get busier. And you might not get that time. God's spirit will not always strive with man's spirit. But you see, friends, lasting is the rest and peace of God's children. They will have rest and peace in death. Do you want that rest and peace in death, friends? Oh, that's such a wonderful thing. I remember when the Lord saved me, and it's true of, of all here, that peace that just came over me. I, I had never cried like I cried then. The relief, the burden, the burden that I am the Lord, that you saved me. And that when I die, I'll, I will then be with the Lord in glory. I know, I'm no longer now under the, the government of the devil. I'm his. I'm his forever. I have his righteousness imputed to me. He sees me as holy, although I'm a sinner, although I still fail him. Friends, do you want this? Do you want this peace and rest and comfort and direction and blessing in your life? Well, put the Lord. Seek the Lord. Make him your habitation. If thy right arm offend thee, cut it off. Do everything to frame your life around the Lord. 
If, 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 if you're, if you're uh, subject to certain sins, cut it off. Throw your tally out. Frame your life and seek the Lord until you know assuredly that you're his. And you're saved and you have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. So that you can say, as of the saints of old, and as Moses, well, he has been our dwelling place. He has been our eternal spiritual home throughout all eternity. It doesn't matter. When I, became, when I was saved, I lost my home. I was living in an attic. But those were some of the most wonderful times of my life. Dear friends, it doesn't matter where you're living. But if you've got a home in God, if you have sweet communion with God, well, that's, that's worth more than the treasures of this world. The, the things that will just fade away, won't they, friends? But you see, friends, there is no rest or peace for the wicked, as the Bible says. For those who build their hopes and houses upon the creature and the creator, dear friends, they'll all be taken away, won't they? And, and some people say, well, uh, where is God? I, I'm, I'm, I've got all these things, where, where is he? Well, dear friends, there is a great day of reckoning, isn't there? They who labor, dear friends, in vain, who labor for the things of this world only, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain, that build it. Just like no man can have two masters. Remember that Lord spoke of that parable? You, can, you can't have two masters. You cannot love mammon and the things, mammon and God. The things of this money and the, and, and the, the, the things of this world. So it is true, isn't it? Of our home. You, you cannot love God and the things of this world. Because if you either love, if you love this world, it will take you away from God. You cannot love two masters because if you love the one, you'll hate the other. If you cleave to the one, it, you, you, you'll, you'll cast the other one away. You cannot love God and mammon. You cannot have two homes either. You cannot be comfortable in this world and live in this world and love this world. I'm not saying that we don't have... Uh, wonderful things that we enjoy but, but our home is in heaven our home is in Christ he is our home our habitation he is what we find comfort and consolation is and sometimes we need to be rebuked as Christians because we could be found abroad can't we we could be distracted by the vanities of this world our hearts and our minds could be taken away that's why many, many, many Christians are not going to church nowadays that's why many Christians are sad to say to switch on the telly, have favourite football clubs, and are just neglecting the means of God's grace, being found abroad, grieving the Holy Spirit. You know, the lost have always been lost, haven't they? But Christians are not being Christians nowadays. And I put my hand up first year. I've been guilty of this, friends. And so this is for us as well here. Where is our home? Are we spending every day at home in the Lord, seeking his place, seeking his blessing, seeking his guidance and comfort and rest. Is our home in heaven? Is our treasure in heaven where Christ is? According to Galatians 1.4, Christ did not only give himself for our sins and to save us from an eternity of hell. According to Galatians 1.4, he, he, he gave himself to deliver us from this present evil world. You won't hear that in many churches today, will you? He came to save us from this present evil world. 
from being governed by the systems of this world, the influences of this world. We're pilgrims. Our home is in heaven. That's what we're living for. We're just, we're just passing through. We should have a very light hand upon the things of this world. And our, our hands, our strong habitation ought to be always upon the Lord. Fifthly, dear friends, every habitation, every habitation, every home, every dwelling place has an entrance. It has an entrance, doesn't it? Else it, it would not be a habitation. Else it would not be a dwelling place. The Lord Jesus Christ, dear friends, is the way that leads to this heavenly habitation which I've explained today. He, the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way back to God from the dark past of sin. He's the way for us to have assurance with God that we're saved if we truly confess our sin and our need of him and believe in what he did on the cross of Calvary was for you and me, a sinner, a hell-deserving sinner, to be saved from our sin, to be saved from this world, to live for this world. If we put all our trust in him, dear friends, he is the way, the way back to God reconciliation with God, sweet communion with God. Our sin separates us from God. But Jesus Christ, dear friends, brings us into union with God. And that union doesn't stop. When we're saved, we have that constant union. That's what we're going to do. After today's service, we're going to carry on having that sweet union and fellowship and divine, divine communion with the Lord God through the sacrament here dear friends and we should be doing this every day every day because he is the way the truth and the life is that true of us dear friends is he the way in our life are we following him are we following his words is he our comfort is he our home is he our rest is he our direction in life or are we just giving ourselves to the things of this world Jesus Christ also said I am the door I am the door by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go, go in and out and find pasture. You see, he is the door. He is the one which we go to every day and confess our failures and our sins and come to him and find strength and forgiveness and purpose and meaning, eternal purpose, a spiritual habitation. Do we not? We're not just living for the things of this world. We have eternal purposes, eternal causes. We hate that, that which God hates. We love that which God loves. We're living for him. You see, friends, if we do not have Christ living and reigning in our hearts, we're shut out. We're shut out from the door. We're not, we haven't entered in. If we, if we don't have Christ living and reigning in our hearts, we're in darkness, aren't we? We're like those, those five virgins who went to church, who, who were part of the visible church, but they were not in communion with the Lord. They weren't ready, were they? They, didn't, they were not born again. They did not have the, the Holy Spirit, the all of the Holy Spirit. They weren't ready. We must be ready. There must be a real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He must be first in our hearts and in our lives. Friends, true Christians can be guilty of this too, like I said of being distracted by the true habitation, which is Christ, by many of the, the false habitations, by a false sense of Christianity, by, by just an outward Christianity. 
by just the, the things of this world. We can all fail. We, we can all even be distracted and, and just think, well, I'll just go into the corner and just fade away as it were. But friends, we need the Lord Jesus Christ more than anything. I suppose, I suppose that's why Peter says in 1 Peter 4.17, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? What shall it be? Dear friends, if, if the righteous, if those who believe in the Lord Jesus scarcely be saved, what are those who rebel from God, who are just living in the world? The, the world is their habitation, not the Lord. It's a scary thought, isn't it? Have you obeyed the gospel? I mean, have you truly obeyed the gospel? Has the Lord Jesus meant everything to you? Have you truly turned and forsaken sin and the things of this world and you've you've sought the Lord Jesus more than anything? You've counted the cost, and there is a cost for becoming a true disciple, that you belong to him. He is a jealous God. He wants you all to himself. He will share his glory with no other. He doesn't want any rivals in your heart and your life. Do you love him, friends? Him, is he first in your hearts? Well, we all, all can be found guilty, can't we? At times, but let us, dear friends, let us make sure that he is first in our hearts, that we love him more than everything. Have you obeyed the gospel? Only if it's, there must be an irrevocable change, dear friends, in our hearts and our lives, not just in our outwardness, it must, there must be a revocable change in our hearts and our life. Before I was a Christian, I said I was a Christian, but there wasn't a change of heart or mind. God didn't have my thoughts. God didn't have my affection, my desire. He must have it all. We must become serious. And then, when we become serious over the Lord and his words and his gospel, only then, really, can we cry unto him and find our need and our habitation and our life in him. Is there a life of divine communion with God, dear friends? Do we have a life of divine communion? Let us all have a, a, self, a day of self-examination. Do I have a life of divine communion with the Lord? Do I start the day with the Lord? Or do I just wake up and go about my business? Do I start the day with the Lord? Committing unto him, praying to him, asking for his guidance and his blessing. Do I carry on the day with him? Am I praying to him? Is he in my thought life? Do I come home and do I just veg in front of the telly or the sports or do I, do I want to read my Bible, have family devotion? Do I want to be amongst God's people, serve God's causes? Is there divine communion with the Lord? Is he your habitation? Is he your dwelling place? He was for David. David was run out of the house of God. But God was still with him. God was still there with him. He still had sweet communion. He wanted to be in God's house more than anything. Is this true of us, friends? Do you dwell in him? Husbands, dwell with your wives. Do we dwell with, a hus- with, with Christ, the one who we've been wedded with? Do we dwell with him? Do we love him? Do we behold his beauty? Do we desire him? Do we resort to him? Do you love him who first loved you and gave himself for you? Is there a serious return from wanderings? We can all wander, 
We can all fail the Lord. Is there a serious return when we wander, dear friends? Is there a heart, a hearty rejection of all the vain resting places of this world that try to allure us back in, as it were, take us away from our true comfort, our true habitation? Is there a rejection of these? No, I will not give my heart to these things. Well, dear friends, my hope and prayer this Lord's Day is that all of us here, all of us will, and all of us are and will come to know of the Lord as our spiritual and eternal habitation, that we will flee to him, and in him will be our all in all in this life. Amen. Amen.